The Smiley J Artist Zone podcast is an engaging and insightful platform designed to celebrate and explore the world of artistry in all its forms. Hosted by Smiley J, a passionate advocate for the arts, this podcast offers a vibrant and inclusive space where artists from various disciplines can share their experiences, insights, and creative journeys. Listeners can expect a diverse range of topics discussed on the podcast from artist interviews, their creative process, and other fun questions for those inquiring musical minds. Bestbookbits.com brings you the book summary of How to Be a Stoic by one of our volunteers and contributors, Leslie. Now, if you want to be a volunteer or contributor and contribute to doing audio book summaries, email me at info at bestbookbits.com. On with the book summary. Hope you enjoy from Leslie. How to Be a Stoic, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Living, Massimo Piliucci. The question of how to live has been necessary for every culture, religion, and society in history. How should we tackle life's challenges? What's the best way to behave and conduct ourselves toward others? And how should we face up to the ultimate challenge, our own demise? Stoicism, a philosophy developed in the ancient world, has a lot to tell us about how we can live today. Stoic philosophers were interested in the practicalities of living a good, virtuous life, from how to foreground your friendships to dealing with daily frustrations. In this book summary, you'll discover how to lead a life based on Stoic principles, how to prioritize what is important, and what you have the power to change, plus how to worry less about the things that are unimportant and out of your control. You'll get practical tips from ancient philosophers and see how role models can inspire you toward a better life. In the summary of How to Be a Stoic by Massimo Pugliacci, you'll learn why wisdom is the most important virtue, why looking at your experiences through someone else's eyes can help you make sensible decisions, and why a healthy attitude toward death will help you appreciate your life. How to be a Stoic, key idea number one. Stoicism offers a practical and sensible guide to tackling life's problems and challenges. Throughout history, leaders, scientists, and philosophers have tried to answer the question, how can we live a good life? How should we deal with life's problems, treat our friends and neighbors, react to adversity, and prepare for death? One philosophy that can provide some answers is Stoicism, so-called because its first followers met beneath a Stoa poikil, meaning painted porch in ancient Athens. Stoicism started in Athens around 300 BCE. It thrived and in 155 BCE spread to Rome when key Stoic philosophers were sent there as ambassadors. It developed in Rome to such an extent that Marcus Aurelius, a Roman emperor in the second century CE was himself a Stoic philosopher. Stoicism, however, is often misunderstood. When we say someone is Stoical, we imply they are rather passive, tolerating what comes to them without question or emotion. But in reality, Stoicism is not at all passive, and it is not about suppressing emotion. It's about what we can do to lead a good life. It concerns itself with three disciplines, Firstly, that of desire, or what we should and should not aim for. Secondly, action, or how we should behave. And thirdly, assent, how we should react to situations. 
This might sound a little theoretical, but for the ancient Stoics, their philosophy was explicitly practical. Marcus Aurelius, the emperor philosopher, wrote his famous work, Meditations, as a personal guide for his own improvement. One of the most influential of the Stoic philosophers and a thinker who will often be our guide in this book summary was Epictetus, a freed former Roman slave with a crippled leg. Epictetus became a teacher of philosophy in the first century. His thinking is recorded in the work called Enchiridon, meaning handbook, which gives us a clue about his practical outlook. As we will see, Epictetus' discourses were focused not just on the theory of what makes a good life, but on practical considerations for the day-to-day. Let's dive in and take a look at one of the key Stoic principles. How to be a Stoic, key idea number two. Not everything is within our control. Focus on what you can influence and don't worry about the rest. From the nervous flyer fretting about turbulence to dieters unable to shift those stubborn last few pounds, many of us expend energy on things we cannot change. Thankfully, Stoicism has advice for us. A central principle of Stoicism is the dichotomy of control. That means, as Epictetus taught, that we must make the most of what we can control and accept that which isn't within our power to change. This sentiment is widely known, but less widely followed. What is in the control or power of, or of the nervous flyer? What can he do to prevent an in-air catastrophe? Very little. He can choose whether his trip is necessary, and if so, which airline to choose. What he cannot do is control or influence anything once in the air. By now, he must accept the circumstances he is given. In this case, relying on his pilots, air traffic controllers, the weather and other factors outside his control. To fret further is a waste of energy. So this central tenet of stoicism shouldn't be seen as encouraging passivity. Rather, it provides powerful instructions to focus on the things you can influence. Take the author's struggle with his weight. Long irritated by his chubbiness, he eventually chose to take control over his choices exercising moderately, eating well, and in smaller quantities. He achieved a better physique, but not the slim, muscular man many desire. Factors beyond his control, such as his genes, rendered that goal unachievable. But with the attitude of a Stoic, he has derived satisfaction from knowing that he has successfully tackled the factors under his control and can accept the outcomes of his efforts with equanimity. Following the author's lead, can help reduce worry in your life. Consider someone who's in line for a possible promotion. She thinks she may get it. She has performed well over years and done all she can to assure success, but she continues to agonize about the office politics that can get in the way or colleagues who may provide competition. A better approach would be to think like a stoic, satisfied that she has done what she can within her power. She can wait and accept the news calmly, whether good or bad. How to be a Stoic. Key idea number three. Stoics taught that we should follow moral virtue instead of pursuing wealth, health, or comfort in life. Many ancient philosophers, Stoics included, argued that we should pursue moral virtue over material benefits like wealth and comfort. The philosophers Socrates, who heavily influenced the Stoics and most of Western thinking, provided a model, albeit an extreme one. 
When a political opponent accused Socrates of impiety and eventually had him condemned to death, Socrates could have escaped thanks to helpful and loyal friends, but he refused to do so, telling his upset friends that he had to uphold his moral duty to accept the law and the justice system, despite its blatant misuse. We don't get to bend the rules on the occasions when they don't favor us, he argued. He accepted his death to maintain his integrity to the cost of his friends and family. Most Stoic philosophy is a little more pragmatic than this unbending approach, but Stoics like Socrates regard friends, family, wealth, health, and everything else pleasant and enjoyable in life as preferred indifference. Stoics do not believe that wealth, for example, is to be avoided. Indeed, given the choice, being wealthy is more preferred than not being wealthy. But Stoics recognize that things such as wealth, despite being preferred, were indifferent to the goal of a moral, virtuous life. So how can we apply moral virtue over preferred indifference to our own lives? We can start by recognizing that everything has a moral element. For instance, one day, while getting cash out of an ATM, the author froze. He remembered suddenly that his bank had been involved in morally dubious investments and working practices. He realized that his preferred indifferent of being able to get cash out quickly sat in opposition to his virtue of his desire to support good behavior. He strolled into the bank, told a confused staff member he wanted to close his account on moral grounds, and later signed up with a bank that, while not impeccable in its behavior, was more virtuous than his original choice. Few of us can or will need to live up to Socrates' extreme example of prioritizing moral virtue, but all of us can consider whether more of our decisions in life could be guided by a commitment to moral virtue. Now let's consider what virtue really means. How to be a Stoic, key idea number four. Stoic concepts of virtue based on wisdom, courage, temperance, and justice have always been important. We've seen that living with virtue was important to the Stoics, but what exactly did they mean when they talked of a virtuous life? Well, Stoicism identified four aspects of virtue, temperance, courage, justice, and most importantly, wisdom. Temperance allows us to control our instinctive desires, like avoiding flirting with a married person. Courage gives us the mental strength to act well under difficult circumstances, like standing up to a bully. Justice meant for the Stoics, treating everyone fairly and with dignity. But according to Socrates, wisdom was the chief good. Why? simply because it's the only human ability that is good in all circumstances. For example, it is better to be a rich than poor, but to know how to deal with either situation, we need wisdom. These concepts of virtue have been fairly consistent throughout philosophical and religious history. The influential Christian theologian Thomas Aquinas' system of heavenly virtues kept the four Stoic ones and added faith, hope, and charity. Other cultures, including Buddhism, Confucianism, Hinduism, and Taoism, also incorporate the four, adding humanity, meaning love and kindness, and transcendence, which covers concept of connection and meaning like hope or spirituality. The Stoic approach seems to have got something right. If we look around us, we can see people who exemplify these virtues today. Consider Malala Yousafzai. At the age of 11, 
living in Pakistan, she began writing an anonymous blog detailing the local Taliban's approach to girls' education. Over time, she rose to some fame. On October 9, 2012, a man exemplifying the opposite of these values got on her school bus and after asking for her by name, shot her. Malala survived, and amazingly, she continued to advocate for girls' education, helping to bring about the passing of Pakistan's first legislation, creating a right to education. Malala demonstrated virtue and made a difference in the world. She is truly a virtuous, living a virtuous life defined by temperance, courage, justice, and wisdom. Epictetus would have recognized Malala as an example to all of us, and as you'll see, he and others believe strongly in the power of role models. How to be a Stoic, key idea number five. Observing and imitating role models is an effective way to lead a good life. Concerned as they were about the practicalities of how to live life, Stoics were fans of using role models to illustrate optimal behavior. The Roman Stoic philosopher Seneca wrote an essay on the nature of the wise person or the ideal Stoic role model and held up one such man, Marcus Cato, and a prime example. Cato was a senator in Rome and unusually committed to moral virtue. When he became a military commander, he marched ate and slept alongside his men who loved him for this. He was also incorrigible. As administrator and tax collector for the island of Cyprus, he refused opportunities to enrich himself, as was normal at the time. Instead, he dutifully and honestly collected taxes to be sent back to Rome. When Julius Caesar declared war on the Roman Republic and attempted to secure dictatorial power for himself, Cato fought him to defend the Republic, its institutions, and values. Eventually, facing defeat, he killed himself rather than be captured, which would have handed Caesar a propaganda victory. As the history, historian Plutarch describes it, Cato stabs himself. He did not immediately die. He lay bleeding, his bowels hanging out of his body. His doctor tried to save him, but Cato, seeing his physician's intentions, tore out his own bowels and died. In death as in life, Cato was a model of virtue, sacrificing himself to avoid his morally contemptible opponent any pol as for any political advantage. Cato's example may feel a little extreme, but for Stoics, this was part of the point. Inspired by the grueling experiences of people like him, we can surely conjure up the courage to rise to the challenges of our own lives. Set against the context of committing suicide to preserve your honor, how hard can it be? For instance, standing up to a bullying boss, avoid using moral corrupt banks, or make a small step toward a better life. Reflecting on the examples of role models can help us lead our lives with just a little more virtue. How to be a Stoic, key idea number six. Stoicism can empower your attitude toward death. Few of us are willing to face death as Cato. Indeed, many of us have a nagging fear of death. It is understandably troubling to consider the reality that one day your consciousness will no longer exist. Epictetus did not share these fears. He said, I must die, must I? If soon, I die now, as it is time for dinner, and afterwards, when the time comes, I will die. You can learn from the calm and considered way in which Stoics thought about death. 
Epictetus asks us to consider wheat. How does wheat grow, he asked. Is it not simply so that it can ripen and later be harvested? He was saying that, just like wheat and all living things, we humans grow ripen or mature and eventually die. To pray for a man not to, not to die is, Epictetus said, to pray for him not to ripen. We regard it as normal that wheat is harvested or dies and give it barely another thought. The only difference between us and wheat is that we are capable of reflecting on our own mortality. But this does not change the reality. Just because we have consciousness and wheat does not, why should we waste time and energy fearing our deaths? Stoics argued that they should constantly remind yourself of impermanence of things, including humans. This way you will better accept death and better appreciate life. Epictetus said, when it comes to things and people to whom you are attached, you should remind yourself of their nature. When you kiss your wife or child, he said, tell yourself you are kissing a mortal. You won't be so upset when they're taken from you. This seems a little shocking at first, but what Epictetus is teaching is not that we should be indifferent toward humans. Rather, he suggests two things. First, we face the reality that our loved ones are impermanent. And secondly, for this very reason, that our partners or children may die, and we should regularly remind ourselves that we are and they are precious. We should, according to Stoics, take morality seriously. But instead of finding stress in anticipation of death, we should find care and appreciation in life. How to be a Stoic. Key idea number seven. Pause and reflect. Put yourself in the shoes of others, and you'll better handle provocation and misfortune. In modern life, it is easy to be provoked to anger or frustration by any number of day-to-day irritations, from an insulting colleague to the inconsiderate subway passenger eating smelly food on a crowded train. Stoicism teaches us not to react impulsively to these provocations. An insult or an elbow in the back in a crowded subway train is in itself harmless. To be harmed in such a situation requires your mind to react to it and believe you are being harmed. But if we practice avoiding or immediate reaction to such provocations, then we can reduce our impulse to anger, frustration, or other forms of passion. Epictetus said we should take a moment before reacting to such situations. Were he alive today, he might imagine himself recommending us when provided to breathe deeply for a moment and take a walk around the block. Only then can we consider the provocation dispassionately. Another useful lesson is to other size. When something irritating happens to you, consider how we would regard this event if it happened to someone else. For example, if you break a glass, perhaps you are, the, are a little fond of, you might react with some small sadness or irritation at your own clumsiness. But were you to see a friend breaking the glass, you might say, bad luck, never mind, and then think nothing more of it. There's a lesson in the way we react to our own small misfortunes, and we should accept our own misfortunes with greater equanimity. So next time someone is rude to you and angry, starts, anger starts to rise inside you, stop for a moment. Reflect on your situation and put it in the context of others' misfortunes, and you may find you can remain calmer amid the misfortunes, amid the misfortunes of life. How to be a Stoic. Key idea number eight. Take care to invest in truly good friendships and in good conversation for a better life. How many true friends do you have? 
In an age of social media connectedness, it can seem that the word friend is somewhat vague. Ancient Greeks were lucky enough to have a richer vocabulary than we do, and the philosopher Aristotle talked of three types of friends, only one of which the Stoics regarded as important. Firstly, friendships of utility, which means relationships based on mutual advantage. Think of yourself and your favorite hairdresser. They are not a friend as such, but you get along, you chat about other people's lives, and of course you both benefit from the relationship. Secondly, friendships of pleasure. Consider your drinking buddies, the girls you pay soccer with. We'll call them friends, but the relationship doesn't have to be particularly deep. It just has to bring some pleasure in the here and now. Thirdly, friendship of the good. Today we might call friends in this category our true and closest friends, the people with whom we find an affinity and personality that doesn't require a business relationship or a mutual hobby for support. Stoics would argue that only the friendships of the good deserve to be really called friendships. They would not deny the importance of the others, but class them as preferred indifference, perfectly reasonable things to have, but less important than the virtuous aspects of your life. Stoics also advise for being with your friends. You should, Epictetus argued, speak less about gladiators, sports and foods, and more about the important things in life. Well, we don't talk much about gladiators today, but we do spend a lot of time talking about sports stars, actors, and other celebrities. For Epictetus, sub-subjects were banal and empty. It may be easier to chat about Beyonce's latest album than, say, The Pursuit of a Good Life, but Stoics haven't much concerned with what was easy, preferring what was rewarding and virtuous. So give it a try. Occasionally, over drinks or dinner, strike up a conversation about a more challenging topic, perhaps based on something you've read that might interest your friends. Over time, you might find your dinner parties and friendships more rewarding. In review, How to Be a Stoic Book Summary. The key message in this book summary, Stoicism can guide us toward a better life. It is not necessarily easy. Nothing that prioritizes moral virtue is. But in accepting what you can and cannot control, focusing on behavior with virtue, and by reflecting carefully on our emotions and experience, we can make better decisions and live a more virtuous life. Actionable advice. Reflect on the day before you sleep. Find a quiet place at home before you sleep and reflect on the day. Consider important occurrences, a difficult interaction with a colleague or a moment of helpfulness toward your partner. What have you learned from these moments? Have you fallen into bad habits or vice? Could you have handled a situation better with more consideration? Honest reflection every day will help you guide toward a good life. Now that's a wrap on the book summary. Now if you want to be a contributor and volunteer and want to do audio book summaries, email me at info at bestbookbits.com or DM me on Instagram at bestbookbits. Now if you like this summary and want this on PDF, pop your email in the link below and we'll send this straight to you via email. 
Now to support Best Book Bits, we've done over 600 videos and audio summaries. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the notification bell, like, share, and comment. We've also done a book called Success in 50 Steps, the proven formula that works. I've taken over 500 books and condensed them down into one massive personal development book. Now also we do coaching, so if you want to achieve your goals quicker than you can by yourself, you can hire me for coaching as I have a coaching program. We've also put together one our top 150 Best Book Bits summaries, over five volumes, two and a half thousand pages so grab your copy now in the link below and if you're serious about having your best year ever we've done a program called 28 steps to making your best year ever so jump on that course now to improve your year follow us on bestbookbits.com the home of the world's largest free book summary website in video written and audio format follow us on instagram at bestbookbits and if you want us to do a summary email and dm me below Follow us on Spotify, where all our summaries get uploaded first on Spotify, and then YouTube second. We run a free book club at Facebook, so check us out at there. And if you want to be updated with the latest book summaries via email and never miss an upload, pop your email in the link below, and you'll get emailed weekly with the latest book summaries. You can also support us on Patreon. Check out our top 50 videos on YouTube. Thanks for watching and listening. Hope you got something from this. Go out there. Have an amazing day. Take care. Bye-bye now.